ladies, welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female with your host, Paola Rosser. And your co-host, Jenny Joy. Today, our guest is Aubrey Pohl. She is a fitness professional, world-class athlete, NLP master practitioner, seminar speaker, experienced yoga instructor, and rehab group leader. She's a life coach and is passionate about movement and a passionate movement nerd that has created a lifestyle and business of leading others towards continuing the path of their greatest potential. She has 32 alternative education certifications in movement, athletics, yoga, rehabilitation, mindset, and NLP with over 3,500 recorded hours of teaching classes. Through this process of recovering from a toxic eating disorder and stage 3 thyroid cancer in her late teen years, she's created a mission and a purpose in her life to guide others towards experience the magic of thriving health, positive neuroplasticity training, and movement freedom. Please welcome Aubrey as she tells us her journey. Hello, hello. Thank you for listening today. I'm so happy to share my journey. And to start from the beginning, I will bring it into like the classroom setting. So clearly with like 32 continuing education certifications. Crazy. I know. (laughs) Wow. So I've always been into the academic side of things. Mm -hmm. I was always really successful in my academics and school and straight A student, like over 4.0 in high school and things like that. But what they never taught in school was like how to love yourself and how to, you know, recognize yourself for all your accomplishments and to really give yourself the the positive thinking that you need. Absolutely. And so I never got that. So I remember being super young, like nine, 10 years old and just criticizing myself, never being good enough. You know, if I got a B, it was like, why didn't I get an A? You know, mm-hmm. that, that kid next to me got an A, like, why didn't I do that? And I, I remember looking in the mirror and just thinking, why? Like I have, I have my rib cage kind of pops out a little bit more than average. And like, that's not okay. That's not the normal. Like my nose, like what is this? And I just had so many negative thoughts towards how I look. Mm-hmm. But that was super masked with how successful I was in academics. And it was so internal that nobody really knew. And I was always like the happy social butterfly and just always did good in sports. I always had a really close best friend. But the darkness just started to get greater as I got older. And when I was a teenager, I remember going to soccer games and they would feed you lunch and I'd just have like a few bites of food. And I started to think that maybe, maybe if I was smaller, I would love myself. Like maybe if I, if I just like looked different, that would help me love myself. I mean, I remember even lying on the freaking exam to get glasses. I was like, maybe if I got glasses, then like, <laughs> then I'd look better. You know, so I like lied when you're trying to say the numbers and letters. I just like, did you get glasses? One. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that that pressure, did that pressure come from anybody else around you growing up? Or was it always just you automatically would compare yourself to other people? Wow, that's a really good question. And I want to honor my parents for what they did give me, which totally. was constant physical support for being there. And they're always there physically. The whole emotional support thing, that's not their communication strategy. And so I didn't receive the positive affirmations that I maybe think I needed at the time. And so everything was just so driven towards myself. But that's the funny thing, right? Because you're always the one that makes fun of yourself the most. Mm -hmm. You're always the one that beats you down the most. No one else was saying any of these things. In fact, everyone was pretty much like, damn, you're doing good, girl. Like, (laughs) look at you. You're playing soccer. Best defender award. And it was just so much of my internal world that I created on my own. Yeah. And it was through, you know, websites like Tumblr and you just get into this internet void of like 
trying to find a path because you're a teenager and you're like, well, I just this identity, like, who am I? What am I? And then you, I started for some reason clicking on the skinny girls mm. and seeing the pictures of the bones and the rib cage showing and like, oh, I'm supposed to weigh myself and oh, I, I need to lose weight. And you get exposed to the dieting culture. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy. So I'm a big fan of Reddit and I'm always going into these subreddits and I like found the anorexia subreddit and they have these like thinspo. It's called oh, thinspo. thinspo. Yeah. Oh and gosh. they have these pictures of these girls who literally look like skeletons with skin on and they're like this is my inspiration mm -hmm. and it's just you can get caught into this like you know and I'm listening I'm reading their comments the people that are in the subreddit and it's just it hurts my heart to think that they think they need to lose more weight and they need to continue to like reach that goal of being that skinny did you get caught into that same like aspiration to be that skinny because you have an athletic body. Looking at you, I would die for your arms. Yes. Like seriously. Yeah. That's what I said. I was like, look at those arms, girl. Well, that's the thing is like, I've always had a muscular body. I've been playing sports since I was little. I've, I played outside. So like literally I, I couldn't look like that because I was so athletic and just kept playing games and I had these muscles and I never got the thigh gap, you know? And, <laughs> but then I did for like a little bit of time, right? And I, I worked for it because I just didn't eat. And, you know, you print out those pictures, but nobody on those websites, oh, I would, I would not say nobody. I would say I wasn't seeing the people that were like mm -hmm. showing the other way, the self-love way. I was only reading the comments of like, oh, you need to be skinny and then you're going to be loved or like the boys like the skinny girls. And it was just such this twisted paradigm and understanding of what the goal is. But the, the thing is, you're never going to get there because yeah. no matter how little I weighed, it was never good enough. You know, and I, I was so mad that I couldn't crack under 100 and wow. I would teeter totter right there and playing soccer. Like I just have a picture of me playing soccer years ago. And it's pretty much the only picture I have from those times because I didn't take pictures. Like why would I put that body in a picture? And I just have my arms extended and you can see like the, the bones in my forearms and my elbow. And, and that's not what I saw. What I saw was a big girl, but what was there was someone so small. So now you're part of like the fitness community and that's like your life revolves around that. Do you think that's helped you a lot with this issue? Yeah, yeah, definitely. When I started going to the gym, when I was 16, when you're allowed to sign up to the gym, I would go on the gym and go to the gym and I would go on the treadmill and make sure I burned every calorie <laughs> that I ate. Yeah. Right. But that's in itself a very nonlinear real thing because the amount of calories that the treadmill tells you that you burn isn't really the amount of calories that you're burning because it's not the right setup, right? It's just like mm -hmm. the default on the treadmill. Totally. Yeah. So it was just like this mathematical equation that created that kind of I don't like the word OCD, but it, it, it helped me feel okay. Like I was in line and I started creating all these rules for how I could eat, how I could move, how many calories I could burn. And I would push everyone to the side to go to the gym. Did your parents notice that you were restricting yourself and calories? Did they notice that you were like obsessed with burning calories and going to the gym? Or did they just think you were doing it as practice for your soccer game? Yeah, they, they saw it more as like the athletic part of mm -hmm. me. And I, this goes to the other part of my story with all my thyroid stuff. And, and I couldn't speak my emotions. I couldn't 
tell my parents what was going on internally because it literally could not come from the inside out. I couldn't tell anyone. My friends didn't know. And at the time it was, it was kind of hard because I don't want to say it was bullying, but my closest friends, one of them was super tall, super skinny. The other one was short, super small. Mm. And so when I would put on their clothes, they'd be like, where are you going to stretch it out? Cause I got a butt, like my bad. <laughs> you know? Now everybody pays for a butt. That's what I was just going to say. You see those booties all over Instagram now. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, oh, this isn't the way this isn't what I should be doing. And, and going to the gym, it gave me that, you know, that endorphin rush, it made me feel good. Like I was accomplishing something. And eventually it didn't take long for me to see the gym is the time to not have that mindset. The gym is the time to just find strength and happiness. And so I, I'm so thankful that I was able to get out of that really catastrophic way of approaching the gym into more of a healthy way when I was like 18. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So you were talking about your thyroid earlier. When did the cancer start? How did that happen? Yeah. So the life journey, right? I was I was 18. And there are so many physical, metaphysical parts of the story that have to do with the the throw and, you know, what kind of energy I was putting there when I was younger. Since I couldn't speak my words, I would scream. At the top of my lungs, I would scream so loud. And so you think of all that negative energy that's there. And then with like self-expression and learning to speak my truth, that wasn't there too. So on that side of things, there's like the harboring of the throat chakra and that getting constricted. And then on the other side of things, when you're not eating, you're putting your body in a sympathetic overdrive. You stress and you're you're constantly under stress. And if I wasn't eating, my liver wasn't getting filled with the proper amount of glycogen and it's just the whole system was going corrupt. Absolutely. And I got a sore throat like every year, every winter. And finally I saw a doctor when I was 17 and they were like, you know, your thyroid gland swollen. I was like, I have no idea what that is. You're like, what's a thyroid gland? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no idea. And, you know, a couple appointments later, got my tonsils removed, and then they stuck needles in my throat to, Ouch. like, move around. Oh, yeah, sorry if that's <laughs> No one wanted to hear that. TMI. To test the tissue of the biopsy, and that came back non-cancerous, but there was a goiter on my throat. Like, there was, oh. it was a swollen lymph. Like, it was stuff in there. And so my mom and I were like, well, take it out. And so that was my first surgery. And it was two days after my 18th birthday. And then they went, when they did the actual biopsy of the half thyroid gland that they removed, they found cancer. Wow. So I went in two days later to get the thyroid gland removed and like 16, 18 lymph nodes, something like that, that it had metastasized into. What was your reaction when they told you it was cancer? I mean, you're 18 years old. You just turned 18. Yeah. Were you in high school too? I was just out of high school. Okay. Yeah. So I'm usually on the younger side of my grade and I had just gotten out of high school. And I remember the day that my mom came into my work and she was crying. And at that time in my life, like I was still so sick from an eating disorder. I had, I hadn't cried in years Mm -hmm. And I was so numb of a person. So when I heard it, it was it wasn't like this ball of sadness or anything. It was just like, mm, okay, well, here we go. Yeah, it was just something new. And I since I am an athlete, and I've had a lot of that like masculine energy of just like, let's work on this, let's get it done. Mm -hmm. it, it became more like automatically, I chose to be strong. For me, for most of my life, it's like be strong, and fix the problem or just don't like just you're not going to do anything else. That's the only choice. 
Did you have to do chemo or radiation? No chemo. So it was um, radioactive iodine therapy. So they, I'm in the doctor's office and they bring in this like giant metal kind of like safety box and they open it up and then they take out again this capsular tube and they twist that and they open it up and they twist another container and open it up and inside that is this little tiny pill that's radioactive. Wow. So iodine-131 and they give that to me and I swallow it and then I go home and I go because my mom didn't want me to stay at the hospital because she's very like she has that heart of like she doesn't want me to be in that environment. So I go to my room and I'm not allowed anywhere but my room in the bathroom for three days because you're radioactive. And so you can make other people sick. <laughs> yeah. You're basically in jail. <laughs> so you you learn a lot when you're just stuck somewhere for three days and you you make a lot of decisions. And I honestly, I, I wasn't crying still. I was just like there. And I remember thinking, okay, this is happening. Like, why is this happening? I don't know why this is happening. What do I do about it? Well, I just, just move through it. Just keep going and, and figure out the way. And so after that three days, one of the other hard parts was that when they did my surgery, they cut my vocal cords. Oh, So like for like a year, it was like this. Oh, it was a whisper. My and gosh. my laugh took like two years to come back. <gasps> two and, years? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I could laugh, but it was very like harsh and forced and like. <laughs> <laughs> it probably made everybody else laugh. Yeah. Though, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, and it was just like, like a week after my surgery, I just kind of wanted to move on. Mm-hmm. And it it wasn't too good for me to move on so quick because I started like smoking weed and being a stoner for the next 10 years a week after having this major throat surgery and like drinking and just trying to be a, like a, a normal quote unquote 18 year old and what yeah. they would do. So going back to those three days where you were kind of alone and isolated, what was the self-talk like in your head? Like, was there a lot of condemnation, frustration? Were you still like totally removed, like emotionally or? Yeah. yeah. When you said that, I got a picture of me looking at the nutrition facts of one of the foods. Cause I remember thinking also, oh, three days, that means I can control the eating. That means I can have very minimal calories in these three days. And if your body's freaking healing from cancer, like you need to feed it. You need to feed that internal fuel, that fire that's going within. You need to feed it healthy foods. But I didn't have an understanding of healthy foods. I remember thinking low calorie. I was so hyper-focused on that kind of stuff still that the cancer wasn't like an issue. And how much did you weigh at this time? I was like 114 pounds and I'm like 165 now, you know? 114 pounds and you were still trying to lose more weight. Yeah. Wow. Because that was the way. That's how I was going to love myself, right? Once I get that mark, then I'll figure it out. Then I'll be happy. The obsession with that number, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that that number, that number is never going to be what you think it is and it never needs to be. And, you know, learning to love yourself at any number is really what the goal is. Awesome. (laughs) So when did your bottom, when was it when you decided... I'm going to change my life because you obviously have gone like full speed with all these alternative education, certification in movement, athletics, yoga, rehabilitation, mindset, NLP, which for those of you who don't know what NLP is, what is it? So NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. So we take neuro, the brain, linguistic, language, and programming. So the programming of the language of your brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm so passionate about this because the language of my brain was such a fallacy growing up. Mm-hmm. It was so off from what is my greatest potential and how I can talk to myself. So it's literally like what your intrinsic world is like, is mm-hmm. studying NLP and you know helping others. And 
asking questions so they can see what their internal world is like. So what was it that made you go down this path? Like, obviously, you were smoking weed, drinking, trying to be a normal 18 year old. Mm -hmm. There had to be a point in your life where you were like, okay, enough is enough. Yeah. When you get into the darker parts of like the eating disorders when you're when you're anorexic and I was diagnosed anorexic and that finally gave me that identity like I did it you know I did it. I got the paper it says I'm anorexic boom and then <laughs> and you then, were proud of it and then yeah it kind of was yeah. it kind of was in a really sick way but that didn't do much for me and it didn't it didn't fulfill me in the way I thought it would and I was still then going back and forth with like binge eating on some days because you're in starvation. Like, so when your body gets food, it's going to eat all the food. And there was one day that it was just like, you know, that Trader Joe's cookie butter, that stuff. <laughs> oh, so <Yeah>. good. I've <laughs> never had it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And it's so tasty. And when you're in that starvation, like you're just eating so much, you kind of become this like monster and you go into this fog and this drone of just eating all the foods. And then like, Later, you come out of it, and it had been like you're under this hypnosis the entire time when you're eating. And I remember one day, it was like an exceptionally bad day. I was just really lost, and I had just tried to starve like the whole week before and just was binge eating the entire day because I was just so – I didn't know how to control it because literally like your nervous system goes on to this other way of trying to save you. And I sat on the floor of my living room holding my stomach because it was just cramping so bad from just the overload of, of food. And I remember thinking like, I'm sick and tired of fucking being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. Like I was just so tired of it. And, and that was like that moment, that click. And it's like, I'm sick and tired. Okay. So I'm, I'm tired of being sick and tired. And I realized that it was me. I realized that the, the external world, like nobody knew about this. I didn't speak to any about this. Like this was my journey. Okay, so when you have that moment, you, you, you know that you're in the reins, you know that you're driving the car, and you know that you can change. And I still went through a lot of many years after that of dealing with it. But that was like my first awakening when I was around 17. And then the cancer was just like, coming out of the cancer a few months later, I started to see that this is a good thing. Like, this is some kind of sign that I'm not okay. And people pride you on, on being the girl with cancer. And the whole time people are like, I'm here if you want to talk to me. And I'm like, dude, I can't even speak my emotions. Like, I don't yeah, need right. to talk to anyone. I, can, I got this myself. Like, I'll do it myself. And you grow into this different mindset of, of learning to use what's happening to you as for you instead of things just happening to you all the time. You're like, okay, now how do I take this that's happening to me and use it so I can just get happy? Because that's all I wanted. I just, I was tired of looking in the mirror and hating myself and saying, this is wrong, this is wrong. And then never going to play with friends because I thought I was ugly or like, like I wouldn't be fun to be around. And when you look yourself in the eye in the mirror and you kind of start making those decisions of it doesn't need to be this way and it can, it can be this other way instead. Yeah. And I like that you didn't blame anyone. I mean, you had literally all authority to blame this on cancer and just how life sucks because you had to go through that. You didn't have your voice. You didn't have your laugh for two years. I mean, you had all these like cards that you could have totally like the cancer card, but you didn't do that. You were like, this is my responsibility. I have no one to blame but myself because these are my actions that are causing my body to do this. Yeah. I love that. 
Maybe that's part of the whole eating thing because you could become essentially like really selfish in a way and no one else matters but you and like your eating disorder and you're figuring out the way. So when the cancer happened, it was like, oh, it's still my journey. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just, that's when being selfish was good for me. And I didn't want to point fingers at anyone because I didn't know who to point fingers at. So did you have to go to rehab for your eating disorder or anything? Or how did you treat that? I didn't go to any outpatient Mm -hmm. rehab. I communicated it once to my parents and I love my mom and I love her so much for for what she has done. She looked at me and she's like, why can't you just have any Mm self-control? And and like, that's not what it's about. So I was like, you don't fucking understand. Like, am I allowed to cuss? I keep cussing. It's my bad. (laughs) I was like, you don't understand. Like, fine, I'll do this myself. Again, another time in the world, like I'll do all of this myself. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need anyone. And that's been good for me up until about my, you know, late 20s where I'm like, ooh, let other people in. Come on, Aubrey. Like, open up the door. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So when did you start doing all of the alternative education, like yoga, rehabilitation, mindset? Like, what made you open up that door? I remember walking out of statistics class in, like, community college one of the first years. And just, it was in the middle of class. And I just looked at the board and I, like, looked down. I love math, but not that kind of math. And I just, like... <laughs> I straight up just walked out and I was like, this isn't for me. I don't know what is, but this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to to Newport and I started going to yoga works. And that was like my yoga journey started when I was about 16 and got more serious when I was about 18. And I learned about the ideologies of yoga. And my first alternative education certification was just a personal training certification because I was in the gym every day and a little bit of a sick mindset. And the trainers were like, you're here every day. You should be a trainer. Like. I was like, okay, (laughs) thanks for the guidance. Someone gave me guidance. I I got my certification to be a trainer. And then I found a love for learning when I was about 22, because since I didn't go to college, I spent from, you know, 18 to 22, not, not learning as much. And, and for some reason I got in this like mindset that I'm not smart. Mm. And if I look at all my grades, my entire life, like I'm smart. And so I started to see like intelligence as a choice. And you can choose where to grab information. You can choose what to look for. And I started just like reading books and reading like textbooks, like why zebras don't get ulcers, things like that. (laughs) It's a really cool textbook about the body. And then I just started to get like this thirst for knowledge and especially mindset because around that point, like had I had already made the decision to be happy. So I became the the happy girl. And it was kind of that fake it till you make it. So I was at work and I'd be really happy and then I could be sad later. And I started to see like, okay, I can be the happy, intelligent girl. Like, ooh, this is cool. These are these identity (laughs) things that you, when you step away outside of like the eating disorder identity, you start to see these new boxes that you want to step into. And then you can be literally like anyone that you want to be. You just take the steps in those directions. And yeah, fake it till you make it. I like believe it till you become it now as a little bit of a reframe because it's you don't necessarily need to fake it the entire time, but you take the little steps in the right direction and over time you're there. Yeah. I loved earlier when you said they don't teach you this in high school or elementary school or junior high. They don't teach you this at all in school, not even college. The fact that your thoughts become things Mm -hmm. and the more that you sit in your negative thoughts, the more negative things like you said, your thyroid cancer came about because of the negative energy that you were screaming, not trying to use your voice. And I read this book called 
by Marianne Williamson. She's actually running for president right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, like Course in Miracles. And she had this whole entire chapter about cancer and how most of the people that develop cancer are like hiding something or they're bitter about something or they're harboring negative feelings and it develops into something in a certain part of their body where they're harboring the negative energy. Mm-hmm. And it really was like eye opening when you just said that right now, that brought me back to that book was the fact that you were, you had this, you wanted to scream, you wanted to use your voice and yet you kept all that negative energy right here where your throat was. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. And it, the moment I discovered that, that idea, that thought was changing everything because the doctors literally told me, we don't know why this happened. You're just, you know, kind of an odd one out. You're just a lemon. (laughs) They didn't call me that, but, (laughs) (laughs) but like they, they had no answers and that that's, not good enough for me. But in the the medical way of seeing things, like maybe there wasn't that catalyst. But if you look at the way that you're representing your life and when you think about epigenetics and you have certain markers in your genes and certain capabilities and capacities to have things, and it's all dependent upon the environment that you create and that you step into that, you know, ignites those genes to have cancer or things like that. And finding that it gave me so much purpose and reason because I can take ownership because I'd much rather say I created the cancer rather than mm. like, oh, it just happened to me. Yeah. You know, it's definitely like taking ownership gives me that power to make sure it never happens again. And when that throat, I'm a, I'm a yogi, so it's like the throat chakra, when that cluster of negative energy was literally ripped out of me and taken out of me through surgery, I was able to retrain my voice quite literally, because my vocal cords were shredded too. And I was able to speak a new voice. It was a new voice coming from Aubrey. It was a completely different sounding voice. It was a different sounding laugh. And it was that opportunity to just restart things. That's awesome. Just like a new chance. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. It was like, I don't think I was supposed to like die from cancer, Mm -hmm. but that happened and it showed me the glimpse of what death might look like. Like life is so fragile and so just soft and things can happen that I saw that as, wow, I'm not going to be anything but super grateful, Mm. super happy. How can I get through everything in my life with the least sadness? Like I want to experience the emotions. And for a while I was living in toxic positivity, like the whole house is on fire. And I'm like, everything's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Like that meme. That meme, that dog that's just like, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was me for a while, but that's what I needed to get rid of all the negativity that I used to live in. Mm -hmm. And now allowing myself to speak my words. And that brings me to like NLP and learning communication and learning mindset. And now like so much so that I've had this journey of taking this girl that, you know, used to burn her arm from a curling iron if she ate too much oh my goodness. To, to someone that can, you know, present that information in an educated fashion of like teaching, hey, you are in control of your thoughts. Like you can do this. You might have a thought, but that's just a thought. It doesn't need to be you. And you can literally adapt your brain to think a different way. 
So since you're a yogi, are you big on meditation and affirmations and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like a lot of movement meditation. Mm -hmm. And so like dancing or I do flow arts and I fire spin. That's like my way of meditation. I don't have as many times where I'm like sitting down, just mm-hmm. breathing. I'm, I like being a little active and yeah, I think meditation kind of looks different for different people. So true. So I true. mean, I wish I was a fire spinner. I wish that was my <laughs> form of meditation. Are you kidding? That's awesome. So now do your parents, do you talk openly with your parents about your past? Like, are they surprised by everything that you went through and that, you know, maybe they weren't totally aware of what you were doing behind closed doors? A little bit and not really. (laughs) They kind of knew what was happening and not to the extent that it was happening and and still their ability to dive into that deep communication about emotions and how we talk still isn't their knowledge. Like, right, Mm -hmm. that's not where their genius is. Mm -hmm. And here comes their little girl, like trying to share emotions and feelings. And it's like really hard for my parents. So no wonder it was hard for me. It's still hard for them. I had to do a lot of, I got to do a lot of healing from that. And so now to be able to communicate fully is, has been a journey and it feels so good. It does. (laughs) It's crazy to me how many people are are weirded about talking about their feelings and being vulnerable. To me, it's where I thrive. I love talking about feelings and emotions. (laughs) And I mean, I can, you know, I'm always like in my feelings all the time and I'm always very vulnerable. But there are some people who just don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. It's like they have this complete wall over their heart and they're like, I'm not going there. I'm not showing you anything. You know, let's just talk about the weather and the latest baseball scores. Mm. Like they don't want to talk about what's going on. Is that how your household was? Because I'm just like trying to picture how your parents are and how you were. Here's this child who wants to like talk about how they're feeling and and they're like, let's just talk about the weather. Yeah, it's like the the quote, get out of your head and into your heart. Mm-hmm. And I guess the household is just very logic driven mm-hmm. like and academic and we, we're thinkers and that's how we communicate is just like the, the logic of things rather than dropping into how do you feel right now? And it was kind of like my dad and his side of the family they're very, they're very tough. So, right, you fall in a soccer game, you get up. And because I was the athlete, the scholar, I was essentially like my dad's little boy. Like mm. I was the the athlete. My brother played video games and stuff. So I became the son that was like the the masculine energy of the household, the one that did the things that, that accomplished the stuff. And I pushed feelings aside for so long. Mm. And now it's, you know, how can I bring that to my family and share emotions and share feelings and be like, this is okay to talk about because or else they would just brush under the rug and my mom and I would get in these really intense arguments and we'd like throw stuff at each other. And then a few hours later, she opened the door and be like, what do you want for dinner? And <laughs> that's so on and off. You get really confused. And yeah. It's very almost ambivalent. like a bipolar, mm-hmm. like, you know, energy. It's like, okay, five seconds ago, you were yelling at me and screaming at me, you know, and then yeah. now you're like past the bread. <laughs> yeah. And what's, what's missing is that communication of like, Hey, we just, we had an argument and that's okay because people have arguments sometimes. I felt this way. Mm -hmm. How did you feel? Oh, okay. You felt that way. We've had this argument. Now we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. Like that was the the missing link, but they don't, they don't teach that. Like it's very new agey to have this kind of meta communication about things. And so how can I now spread that meta communication to yeah, the world. It's very therapy. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people who go to therapy, I've been to therapy. My husband's been to therapy. I know she's been to therapy. Jenny's yes. been to therapy. Yeah. Those are the type of like 
communication ways they make you talk like, okay, this is how this made me feel. And you have to validate my feelings. But if you've never been to therapy or you've never learned these kind of techniques that you are teaching, people don't know how to communicate and yet they just hurt others and they don't mean to. Like I said, they just don't have the tools Mm -hmm. on how to behave in a, I don't know how to say like a tender way, I guess. That's the only word that's coming to mind. Like be tender with each other because you don't know what the other person is suffering through or like dealing with. And at that time you were dealing with your eating disorder and you just needed somebody to be tender with you. Yeah. And what I see now is so long of being emotionally unavailable myself because I don't want to say no one was there in my life to be able to receive that and give me that love and kindness. But since I wasn't used to it from not having a household of it, if anybody did approach me in that fashion and gave me the cushion to sit on, I just was like, nah, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> and, and it was me just completely shut down emotionally from allowing other people in and allowing people to see those softer walls. Because if I was always the strong girl, could I ever let myself be soft? So now the goal these days is to be more soft. Right. (laughs) Well, I have a question about identity because I know with eating disorders and other addictions that totally can become one's identity. So now that that isn't your identity, what would you say your identity is? Ooh, my identity is a kind person. My identity is one that's flexible with whatever comes into my life and one that can present leadership in a way of showing my journey. And that's what comes up for me right now because identity is just to put ourselves in a box of identity is to essentially trap ourselves into something that's more logic-based rather than what's like in reality at the moment. Yeah. And so if we allow identity to just go in and out throughout our life, we we won't get harbored into these things. Oh, I'm not that kind of person. Oh, yeah, I just I'm lazy. I work in the fitness industry and you hear a lot of that, like I'm lazy. I have a bad knee or things like that. And there are these strong identity statements where you're never able you're never to go past that wall. And so you never let yourself go past that wall. So it's not who who is my identity? Who is my identity? It's like, who's my identity right now? Just right now. Yes. It's going to be different later. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. that answer, honestly, because it's like, it's true. Once you label yourself, it's like, that's who you have to be. You know, I'm, I try to say that I'm a perfectionist, but when I see my house, like in a disarray, it's like, I almost criticize myself. Like you're supposed to have a clean house. You're supposed to be organized. You're supposed to be. And so then you, you trap yourself in that box because you've labeled yourself that. And then you shame yourself and almost make yourself feel bad because you're not that strict box. So if we don't label ourselves and we're just like, Hey, I'm pay, mm-hmm. this is Jenny and you're Aubrey and this is who we are. And you know, we're allowed to be sad. We're allowed to get angry. We're allowed to have a bad day. We're allowed to have great days. We're allowed to like have all those feelings as a human being, and we should be able to not fit in a box. (laughs) Yeah. I heard a quote once that uh, humans are like songs, never sung the same way twice. I love that. (laughs) I'm going to have to write that down. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it really opens up that perception of like, wow, we can be different all the time. We can be whoever we want, whenever. Yes. I love that. That's incredible. So as we wrap up this episode, Mm -hmm. this has been a great conversation. What would be your nugget of wisdom to the ladies that are listening to this episode right now who are probably in the journey of either the eating disorder or even being able to just talk about their feelings and being vulnerable and having that like emotional, I don't know how you could say it. Freedom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I would say my, my nugget of wisdom and I, this came to me in the NLP. So it sounds a little weird, but it's releasing insecurities is giving yourself permission to be the person you don't think you can be. So if you're stuck in this world of never being good enough, never being enough, or you've more stuff to do, or you just don't think you look right. And you, you recognize that those are self-driven insecurities. You need to know that it's okay to not be that. You need to know that it's okay to give yourself permission to be the one that you think you can never be, Mm. to be the person that you think is so far away from you, whether it's like a speaker or if you're afraid of public speaking, like give yourself permission to be the speaker. Or if you're dealing with eating issues, give give yourself permission to be the one that has unconditional self-love always. Because it goes back to that identity of like, you're, you're actually opening the door into a different identity that's going to be more helpful for you. You're actually seeing like, well, what would it be like if I was this person rather than I could never be that person? So take that step back and be like, I give myself permission to take one step closer towards that person. I might not be the person that's happy and successful all the time or, you know, super balanced right now. But if you don't let yourself have that first step, you'll always remain where you are. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That was awesome. No, seriously, as I as I interview women all the time, almost every week, we've been getting new ladies in here. It's crazy just how much I learn from every single one of them. And I think the basic, you know, idea throughout every single person's journey is that whoever we were when we first started is never the person we are when we're done. And we learn so much. And even though some of them are really dark stories and really sad stories, you can't learn without the darkness. You really can't. The words that you're saying now, you wouldn't have said when you were 17 or 18. Right. So it's like, ladies, if you're going through something right now, seriously, just wait. Because the person you are tomorrow or maybe in an hour Mm -hmm. is going to be completely (laughs) different. Yeah. (laughs) So... Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Pale Rosser. And I'm your co-host, Jenny Joy. You can find Aubrey on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is at It's Aubrey with three E's. So I-T-S-A-U-B-R-I-E-E-E. And my website is Movement Leadership. It's M-O-V-E-M-E-A-N-T leadership.com. Like we're meant to move. Oh, I like that. And you can find the podcast Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. And you can find me, Jenny Joy, at Jenny Joy Happy on Instagram. And you can find me at Pale or Rosser on Instagram. Thank you guys. And tune in next week for another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. Goodbye. Bye. We love you. Thank you.